Hello, and welcome to the No Space. I am your host, Omar Ismail, and on today's episode, we will be talking about the city, the traffic, and the rage. For those of you that remember, yes, this is based off the great movie, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Let us start with a fluids lesson for all the nerds out there. Think water moving in a pipe. The water is all moving at the same speed. It is laminar, uniform, undramatic. Now imagine a rock partially blocking that end of the pipe, distorting the water flow. Turbulence, chaos, accidents. Remind you of something? It's Toronto traffic. Toronto, the fourth most populous city in North America. Toronto, where the condos are booming and the traffic is forever slowing. According to TomTom, the GPS navigator company that is not Garmin, Toronto is the 47th most congested city in the world. We experience an increase in time of over 50% during the morning rush hour and over 60% during evening rush hour. So an hour's drive becomes an hour and a half. Wow. And it's not like TomTom made these numbers up. It's true. I live in Mississauga and drive to Oshawa every day. Work starts at 6 and I'm on the road at 5. My drive is pleasant, fast and tuned to the sound of Matt Galloway on CBC Metro Morning, which everyone should listen to, 5.30 to 8.30 on 99.1 FM. I end at 2.30 and even though it isn't officially the start of rush hour, it still takes me around an hour 20 minutes to get home assuming it is not Friday, which is by far the worst day to commute in the afternoon. And it's not even winter yet. I don't get why it's called rush hour and everyone is going so slow. It just grinds my gears. What pisses me off the most is when I'm on the leftmost lane, which is technically the fast lane, and during rush hour it becomes the slowest. This is caused by people crossing into it thinking it will be faster as well as by the ripple effect caused by that one person constantly pressing his car's brakes. I wonder whether the express lane on the highway can have a no lane change law during rush hour. The lane you go into is determined by how far you want to go. For example, if your trip on the highway is less than 20 kilometers, you are restricted to the right lane. If it's between 20 and 40, use the middle lane and greater than 40 kilometers, it is the left lane. Maybe this will improve the flow of traffic. There are a few times when your speed on GTA highways is actually in double digits. Heaven forbid you cross 100 kilometers per hour as that is very illegal. Let's face it though, if you've ever been on the 401 at 5 in the morning, 100 is considered the minimum speed limit. The 401 does regress exponentially after that, but on the 407 toll road, 100 plus speed is the norm. Why? Why is, does everyone go above 100 if it's against the speed limit? Why can't the government just increase the speed limit to 120? The answer, I think, is if they do increase the speed limit to 120, the government is losing on all that revenue they would get from the people who speed between 100 and 120, which is 
everyone on the 407. I want to talk about the scariest slow-moving objects out there. Trucks. Nothing gives me the chills more than overtaking trucks, being stuck between trucks, behind a truck, seeing trucks overtake other trucks, basically anything truck related. They slow down traffic, cause anxiety, and should really be restricted from driving during rush hour traffic. I wonder what difference that would make on the roads. That or dedicating a lane for trucks only. Preferably one in the collectors and not the express because, you know, express means as fast as possible. Instead of dedicating a lane for trucks, we instead dedicated a lane for cars that carry three or more people during the Pan Am games, the dreaded HOV lanes. Instead of using HOVs, we should drop the V and put a T and go HOT, high occupancy toll. It's been implemented in the states to over 300 roads, yet we do not have a single one. It's basically an HOV 407 lane where transit buses, carpoolers, taxis, and green cars get to ride on for free, while riders that do not fall into that group get to enjoy such a lane at a price. In my opinion, an HOT lane is better than an HOV lane as it would maximize the use of that lane on the highway because nothing makes drivers more angry than being stuck in traffic and seeing an empty HOV lane they cannot get on. Before people start arguing that this is a luxury pass for the rich, remember, that's better than the road you are building for them with your tax money that is the 407 East, which you will never ride on if you cannot afford it. In reality though, increasing the speed limit, having dedicated truck lanes and HOT lanes only present bandage solutions to congestion. A surgical approach requires less cars on the roads and more people on public transit. Maybe if public transit wasn't so inadequate, people would be inclined to use it more. Here are some transit facts. One subway carries 40,000 people per hour. That's equal to 20 lanes of highway. A street, let's look at street space occupied in downtown Toronto by one passenger. In a streetcar, that passenger takes six square feet. In a car, that's around 67 square feet. You see, taking more people off the car and into public transit reduces congestion, reduces travel times, and reduces headaches for everyone out there. In the end, you're happy, the guy beside you will be happy, and I'm sure everyone will be happy. But that relies on accessible public public transit that could get you to work. For me, if there was an accessible public transit system that could get me to work, I would have taken it and sold the car. I would be saving money on insurance, fuel, 407 tools, car maintenance, etc, etc. Now if more people did that, we would be saving the environment as well as extinguishing a burning hole in our pockets. I used to think that the Metro Pass at $112 was a lot of money when I used to commute to school. But now since I started working and using the car, I wish I still paid that $112 for a Metro Pass. The question then becomes, how do we incentivize more people to switch to transit? Tax increases are often seen as a blunt instrument that can be deemed ineffective. Instead of taxing people, we should come up with more creative and incentivizing ideas to promote transit. 
For example, reward companies that set up carpooling for their workers or has a high percentage of their employees coming in using public transit. The same idea can be applied to neighborhoods that do the same thing. However, for any change to occur, whether it's a surgical or band-aid approach, strong leadership from our politicians is required. We need someone who is willing to act. The question is, do we have that someone in the city, in the province, or in the country? The problem with politicians these days is that they follow what is called politician's logic, which is, we need an idea, here is an idea, let us do it. There is sometimes no thinking behind an idea. It's just a matter of selling it to us. So let them know of your frustration about congestion. Maybe they don't know about it. Email them, call them, start a hashtag let's get moving or something of that sort. From the parking lot that is the 401, I'm Omar Ismail. See you soon on another episode of The No Space.